Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyo Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where gracious, sexy people share their most personal stories with us so that all of you out there who are consistently as baffled by sex as I am have hope, and so that the people who are already fucking feel inspired and curious to try and learn new things. Our guest today is a 28-year-old, white, non-binary, pansexual person in a polyamorous, long-distance relationship. They are kinky, into BDSM, pet play, exhibitionism, and many, many more things. A role-playing game designer and podcaster from and currently residing in Gävle, Sweden. Welcome, Envy. Thank you. Hello, and thanks for that amazing introduction. Oh, yes. Well, thank you for teaching me how to say Gävle. Did I say it right? Listen, you you did a fantastic job, honestly. <laughs> like, you you may as well be native. <laughs> but say it for us so people can compare. Gävle. Okay, great. <laughs> Can you start off by telling everyone, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being super full of sexual shame and 1 being like, nah, I'm good, where do you fall today? I fall probably around like a 3, a 2 maybe on a good day, somewhere around there. Okay, can you give us a sentence or two why? Most people, there's only, I can count on one of my hands which people I would not be very, very open about my sex life and sexuality with. But because those people are there, I don't want to give it the full one. Got it. Got it. Okay. And can you give us a little overview of what your sex life is like right now? Certainly. Because of pandemic reasons, I am extremely touch starved however my sex life because of the way it functions is actually in a pretty good spot cool okay i can't wait to hear more but first take us back to your early memories when do you first remember hearing about sex and what do you remember thinking and feeling about it i do not remember a time when i was not aware of it 
in various shapes and forms. I don't know if this is a thing everywhere, but it certainly is a thing in Sweden that kids will find like discarded porno mags in the woods. <laughs> what? In um, the woods? Okay, that's, that's yeah. No, thing. I don't. Again, I don't know if this is a thing elsewhere in the world, but in Sweden it certainly is. At least it was when I was growing up. But like, we had me and the kids at school like knew where we could find someone's like 80s porno mag stashes okay i'm having a vision of like a porn fairy coming and stashing like a swedish porn fairy like we never found out who put them there like that may have been the case honestly there could be a fucking nasty ass fairy running around putting fucking dirty magazines and all over the place yeah no like we would we we had stuff like that i remember finding my dad's dirty magazine when I was a kid. I remember finding my mother's toy. I remember, you know, talking to and well, okay, not talking to, being talked around. I'm sure we'll get into why that was, but like about sex and sexuality and maturity and sexual acts with the other kids at school. Okay. And so yeah, I, I genuinely cannot remember a time when I was not like very much aware of it. Not not always in a positive way, okay. like actually very often in a negative way, but still aware of it, you know? Got it. Will you walk us through some of those early conversations, either from parents, friends, or whatever you learned at school? My parents and I never had that conversation. Okay. Ever. Like my parents are very much on that list I mentioned earlier although they are sitting a meter or so away from me with a wall between us right now <laughs> as I'm recording this. And so, I you know, it. we may have something to talk about tomorrow morning. Uh, we're not. But yeah, no, we we just don't talk about that stuff. And mm-hmm. it never was something we talked about because we have pretty robust sex ed here. Mm-hmm. And so like pretty early on in school, we got to learn about like, here's how things work. I think we were 12, something like that, when we started learning about like how our reproductive system functions and what it looks like and what the different parts are called. I remember like very specifically, they separated the boys and the girls. And at first they had the boys learn about the boy parts and the girls learn about the girl parts. And then halfway through the class, they switched them so that the girls learn about the boy parts and the boys learn about the girl parts. And then we had that class going deeper and deeper and into more detail annually for about three or four years, I think. Okay. Yes. So... My mom and dad never had to have like the birds and the bees talk with me or anything. Mm. But obviously that was a very clinical way of describing sex because it was just here is how you make babies and here is how you stay safe while doing it. Yeah. You know, like they they gave us condoms and taught us how to put one on and explained how they work. They uh, they explained health and safety stuff and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But even way earlier than that we had found porno mags and we had spent hours downloading one crumbly image off of LimeWire and whatever <laughs> else. And so like we were all aware of, I guess really we were aware of porn. Mm. We were not aware of sex. Yeah. is really how it shook out. And that was a huge thing for, at least I don't know how it was for all the girls because I was never in the girls' locker room, but for the boys it was a huge thing and it created like out groups and in groups when we learned about masturbation it became a thing of like the people who can masturbate and the people who could not Mm. when ejaculation like when we became to the age where ejaculation was possible the people who could do it first were very much the coolest whoa we would have competitions we would genuinely like my earliest i guess sexual activity with anyone is sitting in a locker room 
just fucking jerking off in a big group as a kid with it was a matter of like are you are you cool or not how did you win the competition you came just by coming fastest or the farthest or the most or what was the metric fastest Fastest because we we had no concept of like why you would do this all we know is if you tug the thing enough you feel good Whoa. and some people can do it and some people cannot and obviously it's a good thing to feel good so if you can do it that means you've matured enough that means you're older than everyone else that means oh. you have more social power and that's how that shook out and i was like because of another thing i'm sure we'll get into is my issues with fatness and fat phobia and body dysmorphia and that kind of thing and so i was i was like viciously bullied from kindergarten all the way up to like age like when i got out of school essentially and so these were this is when i was talking about when i said not always a positive experience because Mm -hmm. like these were not fun competitions for me like they were they were a big source of bullying but if I didn't compete, I would get even more bullied. Like that would have been so much worse. Oh fuck! So I guess that is my that's my first sexual experience. I guess that maybe explains why I didn't figure out I wasn't straight until I was twenty. Okay. Do you want to walk us through? I want to hear all your experiences. What are you most interested in right this second? Everything. I think so. I would <laughs> <laughs> true. Truly, my brain is like okay. When did they figure out that they were non-binary? And also, when did they start touching themselves? And also, did they talk about it with their friends? I cannot remember a time when I was not touching myself. Really? Yes. Because it was, again, a source of distaste for my own body. Because I had huge body dysmorphia. And I didn't know that's what it was. But that's what it, like, now I know that's what it is. I guess I don't struggle with it anymore, but I still have it. And I guess I've just kind of come to accept it feels too enveloping. You know, the kind of neighbor that you have like a little bit of animosity to, but you're not like actively spiteful towards. I can imagine. That's the kind of relationship me and my body have right now. Okay. Would you mind walking our listeners through some of the feelings of what body dysmorphia has felt like to you in way, if that feels useful or important as part of your story? It took me a long time to figure out what it was because I've been fat my entire life. That is a thing that my parents have always made sure to acknowledge and like try to change. It's been a thing that I was bullied for. And so that is like when I thought I don't like my body, I always thought it's because I'm fat. Mm. And I never had a fat role model. I never had a person in my life who was fat. I never had a fat friend. I was very much the fat kid growing up, you know? And so I didn't have a role model who could like show me what self-confidence looked like in a body like that. Mm. And of course, I couldn't find one in TV or movies or games and stuff like that, you know? But so it took me a long time to even have the thought of experimenting with gender and gender presentation because I always just thought, no, like even when I learned about things like androgyny and like non-binary people being a thing, my first thought was, no, I'm too fat for that. So like that was just not an option until, of course, way later when I figured out, oh, oh, the way your body looks actually doesn't play a fucking part in it. Yeah. And like, oh, the reason I hate my penis is because I don't want to have a penis. That's mm-hmm. why. It's not because it's not the right shape or right size. And like, would I be happier if it looked better and was like more up to what 
I guess society has taught that a penis should look like? Mm. Maybe. I don't know. But the real truth of it is I just don't want one. <laughs> like, that's really what it comes down to. And I did not figure that out until, like, I'm 28 now. I figured that out at maybe 24, 23. Okay. Like, I didn't even figure out that I was bisexual or pansexual now. Well, they're, they're kind of the same thing. I, d I don't subscribe to bisexual being exclusive of anything. The word yeah. has evolved and language changes and all totally. of that stuff. That's totally. a whole thing. Really, it comes down to, I say bisexual around some people and pansexual around others. And it Ooh. entirely comes down to me thinking like, hmm, making like a quick judgment call. Like, would this person know what pansexual means? Should Got I it. just say bi? Will that get the feeling across? But yeah, I didn't even think that was a possibility space that was open to me until my 20s, like until I turned 20, literally. Wow. So you were always touching yourself and you had this layer of feelings around your body. Mm -hmm. How did that shape your explorations with yourself and with future partners? It shaped my exploration in the fact that I didn't explore mm. until much, much later in my life. My adolescent years, my teen years, my late teens had quite literally nothing going on except me doing the masturbation routine that I knew would get me to feel good at the end of it. But there was never anything special to it. It wasn't really shameful either. Like it was just something I did to pass the time. It was just something that you did to avoid boredom. Uh -huh. And sometimes you did it because you were just, you know, sometimes you just get horny mm -hmm. and you just want to touch yourself and you just want to feel good about it. Did you have like a routine or would you do it at certain moments or just really just like whenever you the mood strikes? And where did you do it if your house sounds like it was a little bit private? In front of my computer, usually. Okay. Like I had my room was on the bottom floor and the rest of my family lived on the upper floor. Okay. And so I would I have it to myself. And so I would do it in front of my computer, like watching porn or reading pornography or like doing something like that, like usually just watching porn. And I would just jerk myself off. Okay. Like that's that's all there was to it, really. <laughs> I remember. So I, I told you how we like got given condoms to explain how they work yeah. in Sweden. It, when you are youth, you have access to free condoms. Like, you can just take as many as you need whenever, no questions asked. Mm -hmm. And this is, like, even if you are below the age of 18, because they realize that, like, shaming them for it is not going to stop them from doing it. Yeah. Making sure, like, they're going to do it. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to fuck up and they're going to feel awful about it later. What we need to fuck it. But they're going to do that regardless. Mm -hmm. Like, giving them condoms is not encouraging them, them to have sex. It's encouraging them to have sex safely. Yeah. What's the age of consent in Sweden also? I believe the age of legal is yeah. 18. Okay. But I think I think 15 is when you're like, if you have sex with another person who is also under the age of 18, then 15 is like the okay. accepted thing. Like, I, I don't really know how yeah. that works anymore. Like, okay. that was the case when I was a kid. That was a while ago now, though. But yeah, so we would have access to condoms. And so every now and then, you would jerk off with a condom. And that was called a luxury rank. <laughs> because that Wait, was why? different that was a different tier of jerking off and it was higher kind of and this is kids shit like this is stupid. this is dumb kids not knowing what the fuck anything is about but like that was like an additional thing you did because jerking off was just some again jerking yeah. off was not something you were supposed to luxuriate in it was not something that you were supposed to like evolve at or become better at it was just something you did to come Oh, that's okay. all it ever was. And so if you like took any amount of extra steps, 
that became like, oh, you're like treating yourself. Oh, my God. Humans just can find every <laughs> fucking way to shame each other for the yes. best things. Wow. Yes. Oh, what creativity. And OK, I have I have a very strong memory of me and my best friend when I was a child sitting in a rundown opal behind a barn out in the woods that we had found he was sitting in the driver's seat i was sitting in the uh, in the just passenger seat and we would we would put condoms on and jerk off like next to each other i mean it seems really efficient for cleanup purposes it, you know i can't i can't argue with that but at the same time we were not old enough to have penises that would have fit the condoms that we had access to <laughs> and so it was not a particularly pleasant experience at least not for me because i have a pretty small penis like that's just a thing so i have a very hard time finding a condom that fits me yeah and yeah i never understood the luxury part but mm. that is what we called it okay okay <laughs> do you mind talking about finding condoms that fit you uh i never have okay. because i don't particularly like using my penis while doing sex Ooh. okay well okay i'm going out of order i should just ask you things in order okay so early masturbation experiences an adolescence of not so much else what happened next uh what happened next is i found that i had a much easier time making friends online than i did in real life mm -hmm. this was through games usually mmos like world of warcraft early social media pages like MySpace and that kind of thing. The entire reason is because my body was no longer a factor. Mm -hmm. Because I was no longer self-conscious about it. Other people couldn't judge me about it. I was just the person I was I was projecting. I was just the person I was in my words and in my typing and in my interests and that. And my body was not a factor. And that both made it easier for other people not to judge me based on it. And it also made it easier for me to just act like a fucking person mm -hmm. and not like a ball full of shame. And that turns out that makes you more likable. <laughs> if you can yeah. just like act be act like a person, that makes it easier to like you. Okay, but it's so much harder than that. I just want to say that out loud because yes, like no, it's sure. hard. It's hard. Yes, it's awfully tough, but it's easier. Yeah. That doesn't easier doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah. At least for me it was. I, I guess I shouldn't say that's a blanket statement. For me it was. Sure. But yeah, I found that I had an easier time making friends and eventually I had I found that I had an easier time flirting and I had an easier time making deeper connections with people. And I realized like, oh, there are places I can go to experiment with things that are not just playing games with people I may not necessarily know. And so I started doing things like erotic role playing in text rooms. I started doing things like reading and writing erotic fan fiction. I started doing things like sexting over Skype and MSN Messenger. Yeah. I'd like to know how old you were when you started. How did you know what to say? Where did that creativity come from for you? Because I was in freeze mode when I first got invited to, to sex. And it wasn't that I didn't know anything <laughs> about sex. I just didn't have words yeah yeah no sure i was god when i first when i did my first erotic roleplay thing i must have been 14 15 maybe and words came from using the wrong ones and realizing it was a bad idea <laughs> words came from trial and error how how did you realize some people don't realize which is why i ask I some people extremely don't realize, and yeah. those were the people I only ERP'd with once. Mm. ERP erotic roleplay. Thank you. And so, like, I would just be in a situation. I would type something and go, "Oh, that turned me off," 
or the other person i would i would notice on their replies like oh that did not land for them and like like internally i would take that criticism okay i'm not going to use that word again i'm not going to use that combination of words again i'm not going to bring that subject up with this person because obviously i had not learned about getting consent beforehand Mm. i had not learned about discussing a scene before performing it Mm -hmm any of that kind of stuff. And so I would just learn by trial and error what worked and what didn't for me. Wow. Okay, so you're erotic role-playing for the first time and it lasts for a while. What are you learning about yourself in these moments, in these sessions? I am learning that I like sex when I'm not involved in it. Say more. I am learning that the reason I have never imagined myself when imagining porn or when getting myself turned on is because I am not turned on by my own body being sexual. I am turned on by imagining myself doing things to others. I am turned on by imagining other people doing things to others, imagining other people doing things to themselves. Mm. I am not turned on by imagining other people doing things to me or me doing things to others or me doing things to myself. Again, because I'm just not, I just don't have that relationship with my body. Uh But so that's also why I don't really like, I shouldn't say I don't like it because like, again, if you tug a penis enough, it feels good usually. So like, that is how I come. I've never been able to come through anal play, for example, even though I would really love to someday. Mm -hmm. But like when having intercourse, I usually don't really like using my penis unless for like maybe a hand job or a blow job at the end to just get to come. The rest of the encounter, I will want to use toys on my partner or my hands or my tongue or like just like other stuff, because that is where I have fun. That is what turns me on is to make them feel good by me doing things that isn't just using a body part I wish I didn't have on Mm -hmm. them, you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. What about kissing? Love kissing. Okay love kissing i was awful at it for a long time now i think i'm okay (laughs) at it and that's fun that's cool that's a good thing let's talk let's unpack this idea of awful because i have been told by multiple (laughs) partners that i was a bad kisser and eventually i was just like fuck you (laughs) like (laughs) like show me how you like to kiss but don't just give me a blanket label you know my first boyfriend who i loved dearly was like no you were a weird kisser and i'm like shut up you know (laughs) so what made you think you were awful If both of you had a good time, then it was probably a good kiss. Yeah. If you had fun doing it, it was good. Me and an ex-boyfriend made out at a town square because we were just like, we hadn't seen each other in a long time. And we just met up and he started kissing me. And I started and I kissed back thinking that this is going to be like, oh, we are in the middle of a town square. There are a lot of people around. He's going to break it off. And then he didn't. And I didn't want to either. So we just stood there and fucking made out in front of like hundreds of people for like a minute or two. I love that. And it's the most awkward kiss in the world. Like we didn't fucking look hot doing that. How do you know? You weren't watching. Well, it didn't feel like we were. But you don't. You don't know if another person walking by was like, holy fuck, they're making out in a public place. And then what if you gave them permission? And, you know, you don't know the trickle down effect. You just don't know. You know, I I like that. Thank you. Thank you for that. Because that is a that is a fun thing to imagine. Like, yeah, no, like, yeah, if you're both enjoying the kiss, then it's a good kiss. And if one of you isn't enjoying the kiss, then 
make sure you're in a relationship where you can bring that up and work on it Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. like nothing is more fun than learning how to be physical with each other and with a new person like genuinely the most fun in my opinion you can have in a relationship is learning what works for someone else and then perfecting it (laughs) i'm very suspicious of perfection i'm just gonna throw that out there oh no i like practicing like yes not not i don't mean perfection okay and like, oh, I'm going to fucking work this out. I'm going to become like a master. Like, I'm going to I'm going to get the high score on this girlfriend of mine. Yeah. Like, that's not no, like, that's not a thing. I actually think that that was me. Like, I think it was that vibe that made me a bad kisser because I was more focused on oh, am I doing a good job than am I sure. connecting with this person? So I actually as I reflect on early me that was like so in my head and was like, I will move my mouth and I will kiss the top lip and the bottom <laughs> lip and I will put my tongue in and I will, oh, he's putting his tongue in a lot. No, I will mm-hmm. put my, you know, mm-hmm. and so I'm very suspicious of perfects. And eventually you feel more like an algorithm trying to work something out than you do a person trying to kiss someone. I often have had that experience. Yes. And then I'm like, wait, yeah. be in a human body. Yes. Okay, fine. 100%. 100%. What I'm hearing is there is some pleasure in your physical experience and experiments. Yes. Yes. No, I... I don't want to make it come across like I can't experience pleasure with my body. It's just that my body and thinking about it does not aid me in any way in experiencing pleasure. Like it is the receptacle with which I feel pleasure because that is how bodies often work. At least mine is, you know, there are people who work different, I'm sure. But that's how that's how I work. And like, again, if I tug my penis enough, I will come and the coming feels good. Mm -hmm. It's just that. It is not in any way helping me do those things. Yeah. It can do it, but it's not going to enhance anything for me. I hear that. Yeah. So that is, that's basically how it shakes down. So how did you get from exploring in erotic role play games to mm-hmm. having a boyfriend and having a long distance partner and all of these things and being in your body? It sounds like there was some online stuff that translated into real world stuff eventually. Okay. I said earlier that I'm at a, three or two because there are some people I won't tell. I'm also three or two because there's some things that I've done and still do sometimes that are like, they're just very dorky. I found this thing called heel slutting. And heel slutting is a way of combining BDSM dynamics with gaming, online multiplayer gaming. Wait, how do you spell it? Heel, like H-E-E-L or H-E-A-L? H-E-A-L, like healing in a video game. And then slutting. Like, okay. it would be a heel slut. So basically what it was and what it is, usually in, the, in team-based, role-based video games like Overwatch, League of Legends, World of Warcraft are very popular examples of this, yeah. is that the slut would be the submissive and the tank or the DPS would be the dominant. And it would be that the tank had a dedicated heel slut and the heel slut would get rewarded or punished based on performance in-game. It could be things like if you die, you need to spank yourself 10 times. Or if you win, you get to ride the dildo for 10 seconds. Like if we win 10 times today, little one, you're going to get to come. Like stuff like that, you know? That's amazing. I found this and I started like existing in that world of things where 
I'm hesitant to call myself a gamer because that word has a lot of far-right implications right now that I do not want to be associated with even a little bit. But I was very much a person who enjoyed and a big part of my life was playing games, playing video games and role-playing games and all that kind of stuff. And so when I found that there was a way to combine my burgeoning interest in BDSM and sex with gaming, that was a thing I jumped wholeheartedly into. And another thing that is very popular in those spaces is ERP this role-playing because again you're all fucking in a discord server or a skype chat room again me and my long-term partner who i've been with for almost a year now i'm in sweden she's in florida we've mm. never been in the same physical space so that that's what we have you know although we don't really do a lot of erping or heel sledding together we mostly just get on voice calls and do essentially guided masturbation which you know that that's why i say my sex life is actually in a good place because i have her to like we have a great time and while we're not touching each other i still consider that sex because it's very much a sexual activity yes. with someone else i have another sub that i do the same kind of thing with we have remote controlled toys and yeah, so like we're you know we're working it out amazing the way i the way i started exploring things was because in one of these communities i found someone who i was erping with and who i was developing like oh this may actually be more than just we like to role play with each other this may actually be we like each other <laughs> and when that came to light she told me hey just so you know i'm a man is that an issue for you and I'm still using she, her pronouns because later she found out she was a trans woman. Mm. But she was like, hey, I'm a man. I just like to cross-dress sometimes. That's the pictures I've been sending you. Is that a problem for you? And I had never considered the possibility that I was not straight because... Yeah. How old were you? 20. Okay. Because why? Because I have no one in my family who isn't straight. I have never mm. known anyone mm -hmm. who wasn't mm -hmm. straight. I've never seen media catered to someone who wasn't straight. Yeah. That has just never even been a possibility space. And I had never experimented physically with anyone. And so I had never learned that attraction for a different gender was possible because yeah. my my first sexual experience with other men was very much shameful competing in the boys' locker room. Yeah. And my sexual experience with the women was them laughing at me when I would ask them out. So like that was just not a thing, you know? Mm. So when she said that to me and asked, is that a problem for you? I had to like sit there and think, is that a problem for me? And I realized that the answer was no. And like, that was suddenly like, oh shit, the answer, wait, the answer is no? Yeah. The answer is no? Isn't the answer, no, the answer is no, I don't care. I don't, oh, oh, so many doors just opened, holy shit. And that just, since then, like that led to a genuine explosion in discovery and exploration and experimentation. And like, uh, and, and, and it's a journey that I still very much am not done with. Like I'm still discovering things about myself that I had no fucking idea even a year ago. Like I only, I, the name that you know me as right now, Envy, I only found that last year. Oh, like until then i still thank you i till then i still had the name that my parents gave me mm -hmm. like i'm still very much on that journey of discovering and learning about myself and mm -hmm. that is so much fun wow okay i want to hear everything you're discovering and learning but first i do want to talk about family stuff are you out to your parents and do they still call you the other name or do they call you this name I am not out as non-binary to my okay. family, though I have certainly dropped hints enough. I think my mother knows, but I have not told them this new name. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I ever will. Mm. Genuinely don't. But okay. I am I am out as pansexual to them. Okay. My mother was very understanding and nice. My sister said that she already knew it and was surprised I didn't. <laughs> How did that feel? 
I felt fucking stupid is how I felt. <laughs> like, genuinely, I told her while we were shopping for a Christmas gift to my dad. And I was like, hey, just so you know, like, I figured this out recently. I told my mom, I figured you should know. I'm bisexual. And she was like, yeah, of course you are. Like, wait, 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 what, did you not know? I'm like, wait, did you know? Yeah, of course I did. Like, what the fuck do you mean? I've known for years. So like, and you didn't tell me? <laughs> Yeah, no, I felt fucking stupid. Uh, yeah. My mom was perfectly fine about it. She, you know, she was very much the kind of person who's like, you know what, honey, I just want you to be happy. That's like, whatever yeah. makes you happy, that's yeah. fine. My parents are the same. And I chickened out when it was time to come out for my dad. Mm. Could not do it. Mm. Could not do it. Mm -hmm. uh, he knows because I know that, like, I have talked about having boyfriends around mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. He is more comfortable just not acknowledging it. Okay. It is just something that we have quietly come to an understanding about that, like, he's not going to be weird about it. Okay. He's not going to be mean or, like, bad about it. But he's also not going to be inquiring about it. He's also not going to be, like, engaged with it in any way. How does that sit with you? Uh, ask me again tomorrow. Okay. Do you think he would talk yeah. to a boyfriend if you brought a boyfriend home? Oh, yeah, for sure. For okay. sure. He would talk to him as if he was my friend. Mm. And more in that spirit. But then again, that's kind of how he talks to my sister's partner as well. Right. So, like, I think that may be more of a him being, like, I think that just may, again, we, like, my family and I, we don't talk sex. Yeah. Yep. That's just not a thing that we discuss in our family. Mm. Not from, like, a shameful religious perspective or anything like that. Like, we are very much, I like, Sweden is, I think, the most agnostic country in the world. I was 18 when I met my first religious person. I had never met someone who had a faith in that way until Whoa. I was 18, I think. Does the rest of the world just seem like wildly baffling to you because of that? No, no. Religion was something we learned about in okay. history class. Religion, <laughs> like we learned about it. We learned about Christianity and Islam and Buddhism and all that. But it was like something, yeah, you study and then you take a test and then you, you're done. Like, wow. You know, it was just not something that was played a part in my life at all. The first church I went to uh, was because I was going to play a punk show there. That was so it, it had no religious connotations to it. It was just something that was not discussed because icky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. If you were listening to this, you are probably like me and you love sex. And you also know that fantastic sex takes more than just a boner. But if that's all that's missing in your connection with your partner, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. You know, that's my favorite. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with the awkwardness that exists because physicians are not often given great guidance about how to talk about sensitive personal things like boner softness, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. With Bluetooth, penis owners everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. And you know I love a good package. And I have to say, am I allowed to say this? It was very hot when I had a partner who I already had a good, trusting, open relationship. He'd been working on his anxiety, cutting down on screens, meditating, he quit smoking, he started exercising regular, cutting out processed foods, all of that stuff. He was just of a certain age. And I'll just say... 
The night that he told me he was making his package arrive, it was a very super hot extra layer of turn on for me personally. So if it's for you, this is a super convenient resource. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, so will you walk us through some of the things that you've discovered about yourself and maybe revisit some of the things that we heard about in the intro? I heard pet play. I heard, give us some BDSM kink details. Just walk us through the things you love. A lot of that comes from ERPing and discovering what works, like discovering that, oh, I'm actually very into taking a dominant role in a sexual situation. Mm. I'm actually kind of into taking a submissive role if the person has the, like if a person hits me in those spots. Mm. I found out I was into pet play because I was doing a pet play ERP. Like someone asked me, hey, I want to do a pet play ERP. And I was like, what's pet play? And they explained to me, I want you to treat me like a puppy. I want you to call me puppy. I want you to like pet me. I want you to like, and all of this is in text. Like all of this is a role play. I have no idea who this person is. I don't know their name. Still don't have no idea. They could have been anyone, but that's what they wanted me to do. Like that's what they wanted to role play. Then I was like, okay, I'll do that. Sure. You know what? Don't knock it till you try it. Right. And I found out I quite liked it. Like I found out like, hey, this is actually kind of cool. This is actually like this. This feels good. This feels all right. I like being tender with my partner Mm. in a way that is still from a dominant or at the very least, like I like that power dynamic. I like playing that power dynamic. There are some people who live that as a lifestyle. I'm not that way quite. It is still very much a role playing thing to me, like Mm -hmm. me and my partner. She, I have two submissives, one primary partner and one play partner. Mm -hmm. But like me and my primary partner, she is my submissive. I am her dominant But like when we're just being partner and girlfriend, that doesn't really come up. Okay. But when we're playing, it very much plays a part. Mm. She stops calling me Envy and starts calling me Sir. Mm. Like I stop calling her Celeste and start calling her things like Princess or Kitten. I'm not so much into the power dynamic as is 24-7 thing, although I don't knock the people who are. Mm-hmm. Just not my cup of tea. But when in the bedroom or like doing sexual activities, it is very much something I enjoy. I like feeling in control. I like feeling needed. I like feeling desired mm-hmm. because that's like we've been over. That's not something I experience a lot. And so when someone begs me to allow them to come, that makes all the right bells jingle in my head. Yeah. When someone does something that I like and I get to call them good boy or good girl and I can see their entire brain just setting off in Mm -hmm. dopamine spurts, Mm -hmm. that makes my heart do jumping jacks. Like, that's just, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. And since getting into more of that power play dynamic, like research and exploration that showed me a lot of kinks, like impact play, flogging. And I I have a very low pain tolerance, Mm -hmm. but I very much enjoy the feeling of getting better at something. Yeah. And so I don't like being spanked, but I love learning how to spank someone in just the right way. Cool. I'm not very into uh, getting lightly cut, 
but I'll learn to cut someone very likely. I'll learn blade play. I'll learn edge play. Like I can, I get off on learning to do that well. Like I get off on that mastery. How are you learning? I learn by doing. I learn by, well, I learn by practicing. When it comes to things that are unsafe to do if you are not good at them, I learn by very carefully practicing. I learned bondage by tying knots on myself for hours and hours and hours. Just until like I f- out of your own brain or are you like looking at manuals and then... I'm looking at manuals. I'm okay. looking on YouTube. YouTube is a rich vein for learning anything you want to learn. And so if you just type like bondage tutorial, there are millions and millions and millions of people who will teach you to do all kinds of fun things. And hopefully, just for our listeners, hopefully you're finding a person that is making sure to say things like, here's how you don't cut off circulation. Here's how to pay attention to your submissive so he or she doesn't die, like things like that. What I found is that most of them do. Most of them are really good at that. There is very much a kink scene on TikTok, and that has had a couple scandals with people putting up unresponsible content. And it has been like very good to see the kink talk community so to speak been like really harsh with it like absolutely the fuck not you take this video down this is going to get people hurt like you teaching kids to tie this knot is going to get them hurt take it the fuck down yeah and youtube was very much the same way of like pretty much every video you'll find starts with number one have water number two here's what ropes are and number three here's what a safety scissor is and you do not follow the rest of this video until you have the three of them great like you don't start tying until you have a safety scissor on hand. You mm-hmm. don't. You, that's just not something you do. Yeah. And it's not It's not in the room with you. It is on your person. Yes. Because when you need it, you need it now. now. And, you do, and you're not careful with your ropes. Those things are coming off immediately because the person is fucking more like you can replace the rope. Yep. You cannot replace the nerve damage you're going to cause in your person's hand because you fucked up your tying. Yes. So yeah, I, like that. I learned that very early on. But I would, I would just practice. Like I would practice tying knots on myself. I would practice tying knots on my teddy bear. I have a hard time bending down even when mm. I'm sitting, and so I couldn't like tie knots on my legs very effectively or on my arms for obvious reasons because I need them yeah. to do the tying. But so yeah, I would practice on chair legs. I would practice on teddy bears. I would practice on anything I could find really. Like I would do, I would practice harnesses on the back of my computer chair. Wow torso harnesses on the back of my computer share because that was the closest thing I could come. And then obviously when I met a play partner who wanted to be tied on, I would try it out on them as well. And obviously under very like safe, careful conditions, you know, but still that was a, that is practice. And same with spanking, flogging, wax play, pet play, learning how to check in. That alone is a huge thing, like learning how to check in properly in a way that is constructive and helpful, but not, but but isn't going to kill the mood. How do you like to do it? Show us an example. Well, first off, there's safe words, obviously. I like to use red, yellow, and green, like red for we need to stop right the fuck now. Mm-hmm. Yellow for I'm good with this. If we just slow down a bit, like maybe if we just switched positions or increased intensity she says yellow all right we're going back to what we were doing before we're uh, retconning a little bit and just slowing down we're not stopping anything the scene is going on but we're just easing down a little bit and green is fuck yes please keep doing me when i first was doing this i would be like hey hey are you are you okay and that would take them out of it because I was no longer a dominant. Like I had dropped my dominant voice. Yep. And so what I would teach them to do is with one partner, I would, I remember I grabbed their cheek like this 
And I said, these are your safe words. This is what they mean. Repeat them back to me. They would. And I said, if I ever say the word checkup, you're going to say one of those words. Beautiful. And like, do you understand? Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Then we can proceed. And I'm not, I don't do that with everyone because different things work for different people. Yes. Just like I don't call all of my play partners the same thing because yeah. different like pet names work for different people. What have you called different play partners? Tell us the menu. <laughs> Tell us the smorgasbord. Oh my, oh my God. Um, kitten, pup, princess, sweetie, cutie, cocksleeve, cum slut, whore slut, a filth, garbage. Uh, waste of space. I have one play partner who is really into degradation, if you mm, can't tell. Love. I hear those things and I don't even clock them as degradation because my <laughs> my fuck slave brain is like, oh yeah, what, yes. what sweet uh -huh. pet names. That's so nice. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, listen, I, I I have my fair share of people who get turned on by being called cum slut. Like that's just, yeah. you know. Yeah, cum slut, cum whore. Fuck slut is my personal favorite. Like I love being, or like a fuck slave. I love being my master's fuck slave. And he he will just be like slave report. And that's when I have to like do my check-in. <laughs> I usually don't like a uh, slave. I usually don't go for calling people, even mm -hmm. if they want to be called it. Because I just. Yeah, it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that, that's another important thing. Like if you're starting out as a dominant, remember that there are things that are important for you too, that you can say no to. You don't need to accommodate all of your subs needs like they need to accommodate you too yeah so it's a two-way it's a two-way street some people forget that and that's not a good thing yeah so yeah there are some things that i that i just won't call them like i don't like calling people slave it just doesn't work for me but i will happily degrade them in a multitude of ways Amazing. but like the things that works like my my primary partner has a big praise kink so she really likes it when i call her when I say good girl, when I tell her she's done a good job, when I tell her she's making me happy, like, oh, I'm so proud of you. Like yeah. that fucking sets her off like a light. Okay. And then I have another play partner who hates that. Like she doesn't want to hear she's doing a good job. She wants to hear what a fucking slut she is. She wants mm. to hear how she's no better than a piece of furniture. The moment I think she like was like, I want you as like a longtime dom and not someone that we just play once or twice is when I told her i was going to sell her off as a piece of fuck furniture yes! for random people to just own you are not you are not gonna have thoughts you don't need them yeah. you're not gonna have emotions you don't need them you only exist to fuck and be fucked by people that you have no control over that set her off like no one's business yeah and like beautiful. okay you know what if that works for you then cool that's fine <laughs> i enjoy fantasizing about doing that to you as well so yeah, that works beautiful how do you decide what you like to be called People will call me things and I will get a gut feeling and I will tell them I really liked I really liked it when you called me that or I really did not like it when you called me that. Like sometimes it's like people have called me daddy in the past and it has not worked. It's yeah. not worked at all for me. Yeah. But then when a different person has called me daddy, you know what? That kind of felt good. That oh. kind of felt okay. Uh, so it's like a it's like a sliding scale there and i think i think with daddy specific i think with gendered terms really it comes down to okay did you call me daddy because you think i'd like it or did you call me daddy because in that moment your brain just said man and man is daddy mm. like i think that's what it comes down to like my primary partner now could call me daddy she doesn't like to because mm -hmm. she cares for me in that way i've given her explicit permission to call me daddy because i know I know she doesn't think of me as a man. 
But like if it was a different play partner, uh, someone I did not know as well or had played with for as long of a time, I would not be into it at all because then there would be that nagging feeling yeah. in the back of my I don't really like being called master. So, you know, they're, they're different things. I'm realizing that we actually didn't get the specific part of your story where you felt into being non-binary, where you came out as non-binary. I had been discovering my sexuality for a couple years, like realizing I was bi, suddenly understanding a lot of feelings I had had as a child when watching Eldorado. Go on. Anyway, the trifecta. Treasure Planet, Eldorado, Atlantis. Like those three. Okay, here's a different facet of this. For a moment, I thought I was asexual when I was a kid because when I heard people talk about love and attraction, they were talking about it as you're going to find your one true. You're going to find the right one. You're going to find like suddenly you're going to fall in love and everything's going to click into place and it's going to be ah, on the feeling you get. And I was walking around getting turned on by men and women in equal measure. And so I was like, well, I guess what I'm feeling isn't love then. I guess this is something else because I'm having it for every damn person. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I, I never thought I was asexual, but I was just like, I must be so full of love. Uh-huh. Maybe I don't get anyone. Yeah. I just didn't think that feeling was love or attraction. I just mm. thought, like, I guess this is something else. I guess I'm just, like, fucked up in some different way mm. now. Cool. Because I was very much in the space of, like, everything that happened to me, I would twist negatively because that is what I had been taught to do from others. And so it wasn't until way later when realizing, like, oh, shit, I'm bisexual or pansexual. How long has that been going on? Oh, shit. That's why when my friends said the chicken Atlantis is really hot, I went, okay. Because I was sitting there going, oh, the chick and the dude in Atlantis are really hot. I love Milo. Milo is amazing. I love a smart, dumb person. Love a smart, dumb person. Oh, my God. What a great character. I love him. And I was attracted to all of them. I just didn't know it. And suddenly when I figured out, oh, I'm bisexual, suddenly it made sense why I wasn't like hyper fixating on the women. It's because I was turned on by all of them in equal measure. And so I just didn't figure out that that's what it was. Got it. Looking back now, I understand that like, oh, I was thinking about those dudes from El Dorado because I wanted them to spit roast me. Like that that's why I was thinking Ooh. about them. I didn't know I didn't know that. I'm like I didn't sharing know that, that fantasy. Time. Swipe, it's yeah. mine, it's in my brain now. Yes. <laughs> you you can have it. What's mine is yours. We 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 can share. I don't remember. I'm really bad with character names. That's why I keep saying like the French girl and the only reason I remember Milo is because you said his name first. I don't remember like any the... of the other ones. I just remember Milo because yeah. he made quite yeah, an impact like... on me. So how did this lead to your non binariness? I got into a social space when it came to online, and I got into a place where I was consuming media from people who were very open and oftentimes like queer themselves instead of like the that best friend I had as a kid who I was jerky was luxury wanking with in the car. He posts swastikas to Facebook now. Ooh. Like, that's who he turned into. Oh, no. And, like, he votes for Sweden's Nazi party now. Like, that is not I'm sexy. Like, that's not no, loving. Sure fucking ain't. Sure fucking ain't. Sure fucking ain't. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor. And they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice. So I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up? 
embrace your desires, and find like-minded people. This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Floor. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories. So they downloaded Floor and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Floor's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor app celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Floor invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Floor now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. But like, that's what a lot of people I knew from back in school turned into, because oh, wow. that's, the, that's the path they took. Okay. And I took a completely different one. I took one where people were very open about it. And one day I heard on a podcast I was listening to, they were going to some actual play podcast, which is a podcast where they play role-playing games, record it and just put it out for people to listen to. It's great. So there's a lot of, it's a show called Friends at the Table, Plug. They had their second season called Counterweight, which is a really good like sci-fi mech season. Mm. And one of the characters used they, them pronouns. And they fucked up every now and then. Mm. They would fuck up. But they would correct themselves and they would insist on the fandom correcting themselves. And I was like, oh, there's a different one. Oh, shit. Okay. And I would start learning from other people in that fandom being trans, the things they had experienced and the feelings they had about their own bodies and Mm. the things that made them realize things about themselves. And I was like, ah, this is starting to hit a little bit too close to home. Well, shit. And, like, I was already in the headspace of exploring things because I had been on a fucking race track of exploration from age 20. And so I was like, you know what? What the fuck do I have to lose? Like, if I experiment and find out it's not for me, then, like, nothing lost, right? Like, I've, I've just become more secure in my masculinity, if anything. And if I figure something out about myself, then that's fucking great. Like, that's that's amazing as well. And so sure enough, I started like I told some friends who I trusted online, like, hey, this is not a permanent thing, but I want to start exploring with using they them pronouns. Could you start using they them pronouns for me? And because I had good friends, they said, yes, of course. Like you don't even like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. The first time someone used they them pronouns for me in a conversation that wasn't that didn't involve me, like mm-hmm. they were just talking in a chat room. I came up. I wasn't in the conversation. They didn't know I was watching. And yeah. they used, they said, they think instead of he thinks. And like fireworks. Mm. Fuck, like you often hear about gender dysphoria. Yeah. There's a, there's the opposite called gender euphoria. Like that moment I got gender euphoria. Oh. It was like, oh shit, that's the right one. Oh my God. I have, oh, oh, like that, that hit all the right spots. Oh my God. <laughs> like, holy <sighs> shit. 
And so it's like, okay, is that what people have been going around feeling? Like, is that what cis people go around feeling all the time? Aww. That pe- the things just fit? Wait, is that, has he, him pronouns? Is that what was supposed to fit like that? Mm. Absolutely the fuck not. Like, it was like having walked around in a size two shoe all your life when your yep. feet are size four. Yep. And suddenly you get a shoe that fits and it's like, holy shit, my life has changed. Wow. And from there, I started like, okay, I guess my pronouns are they, them now. What does that mean? Am I am I non-binary? Should I categorize myself as that? Am I agender? Because like non-binary isn't the third gender. Non-binary is an umbrella term for hundreds of we can fit so many gender expressions into this fucking word so okay what does that mean and i realized that you know what i feel most comfortable just saying non-binary i'm not going to specify it further i might one day like i said i'm still learning about myself maybe maybe i'll even go towards the more feminine spectrum at some point Mm -hmm. but like right now non-binary they them pronouns chef's kiss perfect oh my gosh turn-ons and turn-offs that we haven't gotten to yet Turn-ons are hard because I only know it's a turn-on when I'm getting turned on by it. Yeah. I heard you ask in, I don't remember which episode it was, but you asked the question, what does sexy mean to you? Mm-hmm. Oh, I keep meaning to ask that. What's it mean to you? I'm, I'm a big I'm a big fan of your show, by the way. That's a great question. Thank and you. that got me thinking about like, okay, what do I find sexy? Because I started listening to this show after knowing I was going to be a guest on it because shout out to Kimberly, our fantastic editor, was like, hey, Envy, you should apply to be a guest on this show. That would be a good fit. And sexy to me is, you know, when you're walking around and you're having a regular ass day and you're just going about your business and everything is fine. Nothing is special. Nothing is like good or bad. It's just like is. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly a switch flips and suddenly you are in incredibly aware of blood rushing to places and like warmth happening in areas and the sudden need to go where someone can't see you and do things that's sexy to me like when something manages to flip that switch Mm. that's when i know like aha okay this is this yes Mm. now we're going and that is completely different depending on who's doing it it's something that turns me on in one person Like if person A has quality X and person B has quality X, it is not a guarantee that those different X's turn me on. Yeah. Like person A's X might, person B's X might not. And so I have no like clearly defined answer to what turns me on because it is so wildly different based on where I am mentally. Like I have a lot of mental health issues with depression and dysphoria and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. So it depends a lot on where I am mentally, who I'm talking to, what kind of space they're in, what they're into, how comfortable they are with me, because the more comfortable they are with me, the more comfortable I get with them. Mm -hmm. And like, it's such a wild mixture of factors but when it hits it hits fucking hard mm-hmm. and when it misses it whiffs completely like if something turns me off it's like oh no i never i never want to think about sexiness again oh wow okay like that killed the vibe completely i'm gonna need a day before i can be sexy again do you have a specific example the first person i had physical sex with this person who asked me hey is it okay that i'm a man and I said yes to, I flew to Amsterdam to see her 
because it was like a I paid like forty dollars for it because in Europe flights isn't yeah. that expensive. Yeah. And we spent a weekend basically locked in a hotel room, just having sex together for like three days in a row, all day. Like we played video games and we had sex and we ate. That's all we did and we mm-hmm. slept. Mm-hmm. I I had her in bondage while she slept because that was a turn on of hers. But I don't remember exactly how this happened, but. I think she was trying to talk dirty and it came out sounding because she was really insecure about that stuff. Like she knew I liked people being vocal with me because I like feedback of people being vocal. Like somebody, if I'm making you come, I want you to make noise about it. Mm. Even if it like if it's moaning, if it's you shouting, like if it's you begging, I get really turned on by people begging. Like that's hot to me. And she knew that. But she was naturally a very quiet person Mm. and she was really uncomfortable with being vocal. And so she tried being vocal and I appreciated it, but it did not. But it sounded like she was trying. It Mm. sounded Mm. like she was rehearsing a script that she had read beforehand and that turned me off completely. And it's not like, oh, that's disgusting. It was like, oh, that put me in a different mindset. Like that put me in, oh, you're trying to appease me, not you're feeling good about the thing we're doing. Oh, that's so tough. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, then, and, you know, it was not a thing that was like, oh, you've killed the mood and right. now we're going to separate from each other and never talk to each other again. It was just like, hey, you don't need to do that. Like, I realize it's tough for you. Just like, if you want to be quiet, that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. as long as long as you tell me you're feeling good, I'll believe you. Yeah. But that very much was a thing that turned me off. And okay. I didn't put my penis in her. But if I had, I wouldn't have been able to after that. Yeah. Like, I would not have been able to get it up after that, even though I didn't really anyway. I tried, and this is one of the times I realized that, oh, maybe, like, inserting my penis into other people's orifices isn't for me, because I could not do it. Like, I couldn't stay hard. Because, like, the act of putting on a condom, the act of having to use my penis for something was, like oh, this just feels weird in my, this just feels wrong in my entire body. I don't, I don't even want this thing on my body, much less use it for something. And so that's when I realized like, okay, maybe during sex, I'm a toys and hands and tongue and mouth. And like, I'm that person. And like, oh, (laughs) honestly, I've never come from a blowjob. My current girlfriend insists that she's going to make it happen because she says she's really good at them. I'll take her word for it. Okay. You know, one day we'll get to that stage. I need to buy a flight ticket to Florida first and the pandemic needs to stop being a bitch. <laughs> yes. Meet, meeting a long distance partner during a pandemic is like, pandemics are bad, obviously, but like if there wasn't a pandemic on, I could have saved up money to go see yeah. her. She could yeah. have saved up money to go see me. We're stuck whether we want to or not. It's like forced edging. Yes. Genuinely. Again, edging is a very common uh, long distance BDSM thing. Like, I'm going to punish you by like sentencing you to X amount of edges. Like, that's a very (laughs) common thing. Like, obviously teasing someone again with remote controlled toys, like Bluetooth controlled toys and stuff like that or Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. Controlling her vibrator. Like, essentially forcefully edging her with a toy she can't control herself. Like, that's a thing. it's amazing. It's hot. It's hot as fuck. But, like, that's when I realized, like, this is why I feel pretty good about my sex life still. Because doing it remotely, like, yes, I'm touch-starved. But I think we all are. So that's fine. Well, except for the people that get to be with their partners that they're, like, still on good terms with. And they're, like, fucking like rabbits. (laughs) They exist. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm celebrating them. I'm just so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same, same. Even though we're not touching each other, when I'm having sex with my partners, I feel good about it because I get to have that feedback. Like I'm on, I'm on a voice call with them. Uh, some like maybe a webcam is on, if depending on their level of comfortability with that. Like my my uh, primary partner is not at all comfortable with that. Uh, like she does not want webcams on when we're doing that stuff. But like that, and that's fine because really the thing that turns me on the most is her voice in those yeah. moments. Like her moaning and begging me and responding to the things that I say. And like us both essentially coming in each other's ears at the same time is fucking great. Like that just feels really good. And that is, you know, we're not touching each other, but we're having sex. Totally, like that's a, totally. that, that is the thing that is happening. Oh. I want to circle back to blowjobs for a second because I noticed that people with penises talk about coming from blowjobs a lot. Yeah. And there seems to be this importance placed on it by so many people, which I don't feel. And so I'm curious what your opinions are. Like, do you even care about coming from a blowjob or is it like only because it's fun for your partner? You know how 90% of every porn video ends with a cum shot com that comes from hand and blowjobs? That's why. I, oh, oh, That's really? why people with penises are obsessed with it. Because oh. porn teaches you that the blowjob is the part where you are supposed to come. That is the a thing that is placed on... Uh, non-penis havers too is like you are supposed to be skilled enough to make a penis come with your mouth or mm. with your hands mm. and so if you're like me and you get off on pleasing someone else a lot and you can't come from a blowjob then subconsciously i'm thinking oh no she's gonna feel bad because she can't make me come yeah also i want to offer the word haven't come from a blowjob because True. I True. noticed that Absolutely. in my own brain, because I'm such a high anxiety person and that shut down a lot of my partnered experiences for yeah. so long, yeah, yeah. that just for me, simple language flips and like holding open the possibility, like for, sure. for years, I was like, oh, I can't come with a partner. Oh, I can't have more than one orgasm at a time. Those aren't yes. true things. They just of course. were true just then. I just didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I want to know more about your butthole, too. <laughs> I was terrified of it for a long time. I uh, now am very into the idea of using it, but have not done much practical yet. I have some toys that I've experimented with and I enjoy them well enough. But because of my size, it is very hard to get into a position where it is comfortable to explore that area of myself, even mm -hmm. with a toy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, by yourself, it's hard. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because I, I I can't just reach back. Like I'm too I'm too big for that. Like that's just a thing. So I can't really get into a good angle. And I haven't really had a partner that I felt safe or confident with to let them explore it either. Okay. And so yeah, I'm really into the idea of it. And I would really love to be able to come from it. And I would love to be able to use it more, but it hasn't really been super well explored yet. Yet. Okay. Yet. Yeah, no, that, that, is very, that is very much a thing that I'm going to get into as soon as I have someone that I'm like my primary partner. I don't know how interested she'd be in it, but okay. like if she is, then let's fucking go. Most of what you've shared so far leads me to believe that you are dominant leaning, but I also heard yes. you talking about submissive experiences. Mm -hmm. Does your butthole relate to dominance or submission in your mind? No. Okay. No, cool, not cool. Slight, like I, because again, I don't consider my body a sexual object in any way, shape, mm. way, or form. Like that, it, my body is just an instrument to make things happen. 
like my penis is not a sexual thing. My yeah. penis is just the, the thing I touch to make myself come and the thing I use to expel urine. My butthole's the same thing. Like, again, I've never had a sexual fantasy where I was involved. Okay. I've never had a sexual fantasy where I saw my own body doing something. Okay. I remember talking early on with a friend, like, we were talking about, oh, I, I love finding a porno actress that we really like because then we can, like, fantasize about her in other situations. Mm. And I said, like, yeah, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Uh, and I really like doing that for male porn actors as well. And he looked at me like I had said the wildest thing in the world. Like, what What? What do you mean? What do you mean you do that with the man? And I was like, well, you need you need them both. Yeah. And he was like, no, you fantasize about yourself with the girl. Mm. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck are you talking about? Like, mm. I'm the one fucking the person I'm attracted to. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, mm. no, 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 no. I yeah. can't do that. I need two other people to fantasize about because I cannot involve myself in this. Wow. So do you have any desire or experience with possible group sex someday like is that oh, something you'd sure. ever be interested in especially as a polyamorous person would you want all your own partners together or would you like them yes to... okay <laughs> like i have had three ways four ways and five ways over voice calls like that's a thing cool and i will i would absolutely i'm into i'm into the idea of orgies i'm into the idea of loaning out my partner to yeah. other people and watching I'm not so interested in cuckoldry. Like, I'm not interested in the degradation angle towards mm. me because I'm yeah, not yeah, really yeah. into being degraded. But loaning people out like that is hot as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, orgies, group sex, guided masturbation with several people. I remember putting on a sex show once, a public sex show in a chat room where uh, me and a partner were on voice call and other people could connect to that voice call but not speak, only listen. Cool. And we just had sex in front of, like, 30 people. Wow. That is, like, all of that. It's great. It's hot as fuck. I love it. How does a five-way voice call orgy work? Like, who talks when and who runs it and how does it work? It's just a mess of people moaning into a headset while <laughs> masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Great. That's great. That's really all it comes down to. It's it's a conversation. Like, that's all. Like, sex is really just the same way with role-playing games, I think. Like, I think if you're good at role-playing games, you are inherently a little bit better at sex, I think. There's a creativity and a permission. Yes. It's just role-playing games is just a conversation with some added rules and possibility spaces. That's sex as well. Sex is just a conversation with some added rules and possibility spaces. It's all it is. And if you think about it like that, and if you don't get caught up in, like, Perf the idea of performance, the idea of what is socially accepted by people who are not present in this. And you start focusing on just me and my partner having a conversation where neither of us are trying to win a debate. We're not trying to convince someone of something. We are having a conversation and we are enjoying each other. That's fucking like, that's what, what like, the fuck do you mean? That's all you need. Like, yeah. that's, that's it. That's how you do it. And conversations can take millions of different shapes for different people and different types of conversational styles. And like, there's so many things to explore in a conversation. It's the same with sex. It's the same with role playing. It's the same with designing things. Like it's, it's a, that's, you know, that's the crux of it to me, at least. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What else do you want to explore that we haven't talked about yet? Well, there are, I obviously want to do more physical things with my uh partners primary partner especially because we've again we've never been in the same physical space since we met each other i have a 
I'm assuming here, but I'm assuming you know about a yes, no, maybe list. Mm -hmm. I have one of those. And over the years, a lot of things that have been maybes have moved to yes or no. A lot of things that have been no have moved to yes. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited to see which switches happen in the future there. Cool. Like if you told me, if you had told me three years ago that that little water sports tag that used to be in the no column would later be in the yes column i would have said no fucking way Same. But here we are here we are <laughs> if you had told me i would get turned on by the idea of running the dull edge of a knife down my partner's body mm-hmm. i would have said no that doesn't sound like it's for me and mm-hmm. here we are <laughs> so you know i'm excited to see what changes happen there i'm excited to just explore more and i'm excited i'm so 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 excited to learn Like, I know what turns my partners on because we've, when you're in a long distance relationship and when your sex is remote like this, then you have to, you have to communicate super fucking clearly about what works for you and what doesn't, because you can't read body language. You can't feel your partner's response. So you have to be verbal. You have to like communicate again, conversation, right? So I know what turns her on, but learning to read her body in that way is like i'm so excited for that finding out more things about myself like will i have the same pronouns in a year no idea no fucking idea who knows like that could change at any moment who the fuck knows but like that's not giving me a feeling of anxiety that's giving me a feeling of excitement knowing that that could change at any moment and knowing that there is so much left to explore just has me like giddy with excitement fuck yeah again it's the feel it's the distinction between gender dysphoria and gender euphoria i put up a tiktok once talking about uh, do you need to change your name in order to be trans the answer is no by the way if you're wondering you do not if the name you were given at birth feels right for you then it is right for you. You don't need to change it in order to like be trans. That's not a thing. But some people think it is because mm. some people connect gender dysphoria with being trans and mm. say that you need to have gender dysphoria to be trans. Oh. And to that, I say bullshit. Yeah. Because the more important thing is gender euphoria. Like your your gender is not defined by your suffering. Yeah, beautiful. It's like, something i believe wholeheartedly in like there's a word for people who believe that stuff by the way they're called true scum if you want to learn about that viewpoint and the case against them just google true scum t-r-u scum uh there are a lot of them and they are vocal sadly Hmm. it's basically just a big gatekeeping movement like that's all it is you must be like you must feel this bad to be trans is basically their whole argument it's bullshit But yeah, it's like that's the same thing with my with my exploration of sex stuff and sexuality and gender is like I'm just excited to figure out more shit about myself. Awesome. Like that's all there is to it. I know there's probably like a thousand little tiny things <laughs> that we haven't yeah. covered, but in the interest of giving an overall kind of snapshot of your sex life, is there anything else about your sex life that we haven't covered that we should just fill in to give us a complete snapshot? It started out awful, but I'm excited about it getting better. Yeah. That's really the old, like overarching. It started out as a thing I didn't think was meant for me. Like I, it started out as a thing that I, when I thought about it, it gave me huge feelings of anxiety and guilt and shame 
because I had never seen anyone who looked like me or thought like me or acted like me being allowed to enjoy it and being allowed to or not I shouldn't even say be allowed but I just hadn't seen anyone do that like I just had never seen an example of it and at one point that changed and it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me realizing that switch like that switch in my brain flipping of like oh this is a thing that I can do I just need I just can't do it the way they do in porn like real really what it comes down to is like I was watching a lot of porn and I thought that was what sex was yeah. because when my f- f- friends in school would talk about sex, they would talk about it as if it was porn because they were kids and they were exaggerating and they were lying. Mm. Like, of course they were. And when you are sitting there not getting any, then any story about getting some is way gets way overblown in your brain because what you're imagining is what you're seeing on the internet and on TV. Yeah. When that switch flipped for me, it's like, oh, I can have sex. I just have to do it in a way that works for me. I just have to do it in a way that actually makes me feel good and happy. I, I, I don't have to do it in the way that I thought I would have had to do it. Like realizing that is the best thing that ever happened to me yeah. or one of the best things that ever happened to me. So like that is like a key that unlocked a whole like 70% of my life that I had just counted away and wow. didn't like think existed. One of the things that I've encountered in my relationships, I get really turned on by creating content, sexual content with my partners. It's my favorite porn. Mm-hmm. And I've had like a lot of partners. You, like record, recording yourself and like like stuff like that? Yeah. Part of the reason I started posting nudes is I was like, oh, shit, I've got a lot of stuff out there probably. I'll just take control of this. I'll get, out, I'll get ahead of the curve. Just there's, some, there's, some, there's some exhibitionism in you. I can hear. I don't actually identify as an exhibitionist. I just really? don't mind okay. if people watch. I don't, I because sure, I'm so sure, permission okay. oriented. For me, I'm like, oh, I would do this for a crowd if my master were, like if I knew that it, if sure, it was in demand. Sure. But I'm not yeah, the person yeah. to like walk in and be like, hey, I'm going to steal this spotlight <laughs> and I'm going to give you a show. Like I'm a little too shy sure. to actually be that person. Sure, although like. Sure. I think that's projected upon me a lot because like I'm enthusiastic, but I love the sensuality and I get turned on watching my own porn more so than other things because I, with my production background, I get stuck in my Mm -hmm. brain, but I've encountered a lot of partners that are like, oh, well, I don't feel good enough about my body or like, I want to get in shape first or all of this. And I'm like, wait, but like, that's because we see porn and how do we, how do we create porn with all the bodies if all the bodies are too shy uh-huh. to be in porn because porn told uh-huh. us we we're supposed to look a certain way in a body. Do you uh-huh. have thoughts on how we go about solving that? Like, I want to have this mobile dungeon and go around the country and just, like, make porn for people. The way you solve it is you dismantle the beauty industry. You dismantle capitalism is how you do it. Really. All right. One step uh, at a time. One bite of the elephant every day. Yeah, but, like, you, you to to get rid of that, you need to get rid of marketing. Like you need to get rid of the idea of selling sex you need, or like not selling sex, like prostitute positive and all that stuff. But like you need to get rid of the idea of marketing a certain standard of beauty and sexuality as desirable, because for as long as that exists, people are going to see it realize that doesn't fit with what they have on offer, like what they have been giving physically, what they are working with mentally. It's just not going to gel and they are going to feel self-conscious about it and they are going to 
get uh, discouraged from it. But don't you think the only way to dismantle it is to just find the people who are willing now to just... Yes. And I'm sure they're out there. Okay, I just need to go make friends. Yeah, that is happening. It's happening on YouTube. It's happening on TikTok. It's happening on Twitter. The only issue is there's an equally big movement against it. For every body positive creator out there that young kids could potentially stumble upon, there is an equally active and probably louder antagonistic voice. Because there are people out there doing absolutely amazing work when it comes to guiding people and like yourself included, like making this show is like very much something that could like how many times, like realistically, how many times do you think a young person has just searched for the word sex in their podcast app? Probably a lot, right? Like that probably happens every single day. A podcast called Sex Stories is going to catch some eyes. Well, that's why we have an audience. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. But like that that's a thing, right? Like they're yeah. gonna they're gonna yeah. turn tune into that, yeah. hear people's legitimate and actual stories, and one of them is going to connect. Maybe or and maybe it's gonna take a while, but one of them is probably on the law like law of averages, one of them is going to connect and it's going to turn on a light bulb in that person's head that hasn't been lit before. And sometimes you have to do it yourself. Like you can't get it all the way there by yourself or with by someone else, obviously, yes. sometimes, yes. because we're all working with such different experiences and bodies and likes and dislikes and turn-ons and turn-offs. And like what works for one person does not work for a different person. And so you can't make a one-size-fits-all solution for it. And that's why it's so important to have extremely large amounts of varied stories and experiences out there for people to consume so that they can learn about themselves through the experiences of others. Yeah. I think. That's that's you're speaking my language. All right. <laughs> if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sexual advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say? Any age between 12 and 17, and the advice would be the reason you're not getting any is not because you're fat. It is because you hate the fact that you are fat and you also really just don't like your own body. Mm. Stop thinking that you need your own body to be sexual. Start decoupling the idea of your body from the idea of sex and having sex and enjoying sex mm. because your body is the thing that is stopping you. Like there are tons of other things that is going on and you're going to learn about them as you grow. But right now, that's the thing you need to focus on. Like stop, stop thinking about like, oh, I need to lose weight. That's when I'm going to get to have sex because then people are like, so I'm going to lose a couple pounds and suddenly I'm going to be sexy. Like, no, fuck off. That's not how that works. Yeah. Like people are going to find you sexy because you're confident and you're like funny and like good. Like my sexuality hasn't been unlocked because I've gotten thinner or lighter or worked on my uh, physical condition in that way. I've started having more sex because I figured out how to connect with people in a way that didn't require my body to be something that it wasn't. Mm. Like, if I could go back to myself 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I would just say, like, you had this is the body you have. You don't need to, you can, like, if you, you can change it if you want to. And, like, there are things you will want to change about it. And you can do that. 
but know that you don't have to in order to be sexy or be sexual. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Do you have any sex questions for me? When did you first call someone master and what was it like? Oh my gosh. It was April 2017. I was in a very fancy hotel room. It was exhilarating. And there was some lead up to it. But the relationship that I had with that man that I have with that man, he's still in my life. It's been an off and on master roller coaster ride. I've heard the podcast, yes. <laughs> uh -huh. But the experience of discovering that honorific for me went hand in hand with the experience of being very shocked and confused that I also liked being called a slut and a sub slut and then I discovered I really like being called a sex slave like I like being a sex slave and it you know and then I was like oh yeah there was that one time I ordered the $400 Princess Leia costume from that guy on <laughs> he never gave it to me that fucker what you know bastard I know, I know but it's it's one, you know, it's one of those things. I don't know. Art, I don't even know who it was. Did you get your money back? I never did. I just thought of that oh, recently. Fucker. Yeah. I mean, I imagine that he was in some sort of dire straits, but he was like the person on whatever website that like did the legit costumes. And I, I remember sure. reaching out a couple of times and being like, um, you know, but I also had like sprained an ankle. And so the whatever I was going to wear it to, like, I wasn't going to be like a sprained ankle layout. Like I just ended up not going. So that was my experience buying ropes for the first time. Oh, really? Like I, yeah, I contacted someone online who made good ropes because I'd found uh, low quality cotton ropes and mm. I found that they, when I tied them, they would cinch way too tight and I couldn't yeah. get the ties up. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a danger with cotton ropes. They're very soft and good, but they are very hard to tie with, especially yes. for a beginner. Yes. And so I found a guy online who made better ropes on what is essentially the Scandinavian version of FetLife. Mm. And I messaged him and was like, hey, I hear you do good rope things. I'm willing to PayPal you. Like, can we make this happen? And he was yeah. like, yes, we can. Sent him the money. Never got the ropes. Such a bummer. I mean, lessons learned. Young young person lessons learned, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I, then I contacted someone else who had the same reputation and I did get my ropes. And now, I have, now I've had those ropes for a decade. Fuck yeah. Years. Something oh my like god, that. like that's those amazing. Are, yeah, yeah, oh. those are hanging on there. They're fucking great ropes. Also good to hear that you haven't had to safety scissor cut them off yet. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> no, I've, I've only had like four or five physical partners ever, whereas like maybe I've had 12 or 13 sexual partners, mm -hmm. right? So like I haven't gotten the, I haven't gotten the uh, opportunity to tie a huge amount of people up. But yet. you know, the people I have tied up, yeah, exactly. Have, haven't, not will never. <laughs> but so that so that was like it's super exhilarating for you like when you oh yeah did you like premeditate calling him that or did it just come to you it you know i was trying to i actually asked him about this recently it was not premeditated we actually talked about this recently because he gets called other stuff by other partners and i was like wait sure. wait why why are you master to me how did that happen he's like it's just like what we stumbled upon you know and i think it's something that he really likes and for me what i really crave from him specifically is a space where i can let go of everything and he is that space for me and he is i like master and i like slave because i like being in a space where i know i can wholly give myself 
where mm. it feels like he owns me and my body responds in this beautiful, beautiful way. And so I know it is not for everyone. I know it holds a lot of baggage for people, but oh, oh for sure. man, the way when he called me a fuck slave for the first time, spicy fire that yeah. lit up yeah, my yeah. whole body. Uh-huh. You know? That heat, that heat that starts rising and like the oh, the yeah. little the little and pips just, and pops that starts going off in your brain. And, and it for just me, like, it's like everywhere and it comes and goes. And yeah. and that is what I walk around with when things the reason that I'm so attached to him and have had this magnetic relationship that's had its ups <laughs> and downs is is when he is in my life and when we are connected even loosely, like just exchanging messages yeah. throughout the day, I literally feel that that turn on feeling that you were describing earlier where the switch yeah. flips. I feel that so often. And mm -hmm. for me, it's not necessarily always a distraction in my life. Although on certain days, I do have to take a lot more masturbation breaks <laughs> if I'm allowed to, or at least edging yeah, breaks. Uh -huh, and, uh -huh. you know, but but it, it makes me feel, it truly feeds the work that I'm doing, especially now. And I never could have, sure. even before I was like doing stuff that was so directly sex related, like <laughs> when I had good fuckings in my body, I always felt more focused and more able to mm -hmm. connect to people and my work and my creativity. So... Yeah, there is something about him being my master, my dom, the one that I serve. I just love it so much, you know, and I've enjoyed playing with daddies. I just have a different relationship. You know, I've, I haven't had a deep life changing experience with a daddy. I'm sure I'd have a different relationship with that word if I did. Sure. But there is something about. Yeah. Yeah. My my master. Hmm. Envy. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun.